Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. Church, thank you so much for the last week of your prayers and support for April. Um, That last uh, deal came out of nowhere. Um, We thought we had beat this thing. We thought we were over, over with it. And uh, Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, she started having a little bit of a headache. And uh, that's our first sign, our first signal that something isn't right because she never had headaches. And uh, by Thursday, as we were making our way towards Gainesville for the marriage um, conference, um, she was extremely ill. Uh, Basically, she stayed laid out in the car the entire trip up and uh, just could not quit vomiting all the way up. And uh, you say, well, why in the world did you go? That's just what we do. We just persevere. <laughs> and um, by the time we got to Gainesville, I'd called, called her doctor and talked to her doctor. And he was begging us to go to the ER immediately. We said, well, dude, we just got here, man. We, we, we're not leaving. We're not going to the ER in Gainesville. He said, all right. He said, if the symptoms worsen, I need you to come back to Augusta. And so by midday Saturday, the symptoms have gotten pretty, pretty good. And... Um, and so we turned around, and we left the conference early and came straight in, and they immediately admitted her. By the next morning, Sunday morning, as you know, she had surgery, brain surgery number three. And, um, and so this time, they did put the shunt in, and so far, everything is great. Everything's wonderful. No pressure, no headaches. Everything's flowing like it needs to. And so thank you so much for your support, being here last week. And, and uh, man, I hear you guys had a tremendous service, a great service. And uh, I was able to watch it online for the first time ever, and uh, felt a little weird about that, <laughs> but um, figured it was best I'd be up there with her while she's getting her oil changed in her head. <clears throat> and so, but anyway, God's doing great things. We're believing for a miracle, and uh, in the next few weeks, we should find out just a little bit more, and then what our next steps are for treatment, unless God doesn't heal her. And we're believing we're going to walk in there one day and that joker's going to be gone. Amen? We're believing with all our heart. Amen. Amen. Um, today, I, I have a message. I told you earlier in the year that the Lord had told me that I was going to be teaching more than I would be preaching. Today, I'm going to do a little bit of both. And um, because of the intensity of the subject. And um, I feel so strongly about this. With all that's been going on, uh, I have certain set days on my calendar every week that, that all I do is block out for sermon preparation and study and prayer and, and fasting and, and just communicating with God. And, of course, with all that's been going on, that's been a little hard to come by. And so stressed out about that, worried about that, the Lord answered in such a great way. He's starting, this is the strangest thing, I've never hap- had this happen before, but he's starting to give me messages in my dreams. Um, and I, oh, it, it's intense when they come through. It's, it's, it, it feels like it's all night, but then it's just like a short, you know, just a short snippet. And, and I, and I get the full context of the message in my dreams. And, and so the next morning I get up and I write or I, whatever I do. And I, I take notes that, that they're coming out of my head my thoughts of what I dreamed the night before. And so I'm going to do that here today. Um, uh, it's, I, I'm so moved by this. And let, let me just say this. If you're here for the first time, we are so happy that you're here. Are we not, church? Are we glad that they're here today? Amen. 
Every week I see brand new faces and just like, you know, kind of scratch me and going, did I see them last week? Did I not see them? You know, and so, but if I, if I come up to you and I say, hey, is this your first time here? Don't be offended if you've been here for three months. Okay, it's been a busy three months, and I've missed somebody, I'm sure, okay? So if I've done that to you, please forgive me, but we're so glad you're here. But let, let me say this from the preface, uh, let me preface this, this sermon with this, is that is if you've come for a My Best Life Now sermon, I'm going to give that to you, but probably not in the way you think, okay? Um, we're going to flow with the Spirit today, and we're going to move, and I'm going to do exactly what the Lord has told me to do. Amen. Is that what you want today? You want the real Word of God? Okay, all right. This is what I want us to do. In honor of His Word, um, I, want, I want you to stand, and we're going to read this real quick. We're going to read the book of Revelation, chapter 2. We'll start in verse 18, and then we will uh, move on to verse 26 and 27. Verse 18, here we go. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has his eyes like flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. That's an amazing statement. Essentially, they got better as they got older. I agree. I agree. Verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrifice to idols. Now, I'm going to explain all this today. He says, I gave her time to repent. He gave her space. He gave her a moment, as he does everybody. But she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, verse 22, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into a great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike, this is tough now, I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. Everyone say mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Verse 26. Here we go. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nation. Look at your neighbor and say, I have the keys to the nations. And he will rule them with an iron a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as myself have received authority from my Father. Today we are beginning a brand new sermon series, and of course we started this back last October, and I'll explain what happened. We started this last October, and then my wife was diagnosed with a tumor, and then my series come to a stop because I was out for three weeks. Um... But we're reopening this, this series today. I have not preached this to you before, so this is a brand new introduction to this message, but we are talking about the outpouring and why today, specifically, why we need the outpouring. I want you to turn to a neighbor left and right, and I want, to, I want you to tell him this. You need an outpouring. 
God bless you. You may be seated. Now, what I'm about to share with you, if you're a surface-level Christian, this is going to be hard for you to understand. It's going to be hard for you to take. Some of you have probably heard of some of these things, and, and as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's been talked about. It's been, it's been preached about. It, it, it's been discussed many, many times over. We were never the first on any particular subject. But through the years, I've studied this, I've researched this, I've listened to some of the most premier authority uh, on this particular subject. But Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are letters that are written to seven churches of that day. There was Ephesus, and there was Smyrna, there was Pergamon, there was Thyatira, which we read today, there was Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and then probably the most famous is the church of Laodicea. Each church had a particular thing that they did well. And then... Uh, almost immediately after being given the accolades, they, Jesus, this is the Lord speaking to the churches through John, writing these letters, he would immediately come back and say, but there are some things that I have a problem with you in. Now, what we hear most from preachers when it comes to these seven churches is that of the church of Laodicea. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've heard preachers say, today's church is the church of Laodicea. And so we really pick on the church of Laodicea and then we label today's church with that church. And I, I would suppose you could and I suppose it actually it does merit uh, some understanding here, but I, I want you to understand, I believe, my understanding is that all scripture is given for inspiration for the church. Not just a particular set of verses. So truth be told, all seven characteristics of these churches can be and should be overlaid to today's current church. But let's talk about Church of Thyatira. They were the church of good deeds. Man, they went around doing good everywhere. In fact, not only did they do good, every year it seems they increased in doing their good. They were probably building homes for their churches, uh, for their members in the church. They were For those who went without, they were paying their utility bills. They were paying, well, they didn't have electric back then, but you get what I'm saying. They were feeding them. They were supplying clothes for them. They were blessing them on every level. There was no, no good deed that they would not find to do for somebody in their community. And that's what he's saying. You have, you've done well, and what's crazy is you're doing better than when you started. And I, I think that's an amazing thing for this church. But they had a really big issue in this church of Thyatira. It says for us in verse 20 that they tolerated the spirit of Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I'm going to take a very long runway to get this plane off the ground today, so walk with me on this. Or get in the seat next to me, buckle up, because we're going to launch here in a minute. He says, seducing my service to practice these sexual immoralities and, and, and eating food sacrificed to idols. Notice it, it, it says that she called herself a prophetess. 
Now, if you look up this word prophetess in the Greek, it's pretty simple. It says, one who utters inspired utterances. I want you to know something about the definition. You can look at it. It didn't say whether the inspiration was that of God or not. Not every word you receive is a good word. All right, I will. Not every word that you receive is a good word. You better try the spirits and know who is talking or speaking into your life. So what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying what I'm preaching to you today, you better know your Bible enough to know it's a word from God or not. Mm. Call herself a prophetess, so she's, in, she's uttering things through inspiration, but clearly it's not the inspiration of God. Then he uses this word seduce. To lead astray, to cause to wander, to be deceived. So basically this letter to Thyatira is saying that someone in your ranks in your life, in your family, in your home, is leading you astray. I want you to understand something about this word seduce. It takes time to seduce. It don't happen instantaneously. It's a little word here and a little word there. It's staying out there while worship is going on, running your mouth... When you should be in here getting watered by the presence of God because of the outpouring that is happening in this place. It's a little word being delivering, delivered here and a little bit delivered here, there. And it's, it's just this little bit there, a little bit here. And next thing you know, you find yourself enamored with a word that was never intended for you. Jezebel. I never, I never saw this until this week. I don't know why. I've preached about this thing before, this topic before. I've never, I never saw this. For whatever reason, I never looked up the word Jezebel and what it meant. I really didn't care. I just knew she was a bad broad. <laughs> Girlfriend was cray cray. But Jezebel's name literally means, now watch this, without a husband. Now, Jezebel, now understand who Jezebel, let's set the, the stage here, who Jezebel was. She was a notoriously wicked queen, excuse me, I was going to call her king, but queen who was married to the king that was King Ahab of Israel. But now watch this, Jezebel... Her name means without a husband. But in 1 Kings 16.31 says that Ahab took her as his wife. Now wait a minute. Her name means without a husband, but yet she's married. You see, Jezebel, if you looked at her, now watch this. I'm telling you, she's crazy. She's married, but her name means the opposite. So what is happening here? She was married, but she had an unmarried spirit. 
You see, she had an insatiable desire for lust and control, and she didn't like what marriage meant. So watch this. She's married, but has an unmarried spirit. Now watch this. This is the spirit that was happening in the church of Tharatara, one of the seven characteristics of the end-time church. And it says this, Oh, I don't have to belong to just any church. I'm married, but I, I'm, I have an unmarried spirit. I can go wherever the spirit leads me. Oh, I don't believe in the institution of church. Why? Because you're a Christian in word only, but you don't live like you're married to Christ. So the spirit that will plague the end time church is that of saying I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live like I'm not. Did y'all get that? This is good even if you don't like it. This is like broccoli, man. This is like llama beans. Who, who eats llama beans? But dear God, they're good for you. They taste like crap, but they're good for you. Let's give you four things that comes with a Jezebel spirit. Number one, manipulation and lust. She wanted to control everything and everyone that came her way. She was a, such a control freak of epic proportions that she did some really heinous things. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And yet, what's so weird about her is she's all about manipulation. She's all about control. She's all about lust. But yet, her lust was uncontrollable. Number two. The second thing that comes with a Jezebel spirit is that of fear. Thank you, Devin, wherever you're at. She ruled by fear. And in her husband's kingdom, now watch this, here comes the manipulation and control. She had every male servant castrated. I told you she was one crazy woman. Third thing is discouragement. When you read the story of her reign, you will find character after character that is filled with discouragement because of her reign. The fourth thing is depression. Even her husband constantly battled a spirit of depression because of her reign. Now let's talk about today living, tolerating under the spirit of Jezebel. Manipulation and lust, it is at an all-time High. There is a spirit that is so prevalent today and it comes against the leadership in churches, in our homes, in our schools, and even in the halls of our government. If I don't get what I want, I will find a way to remove you so I can. Children today will manipulate their parents into almost anything. Why? Because there's a spirit of Jezebel there. Well, that was tough, wasn't it? You didn't like that. <laughs> Yesterday, holy cow. One of the first non-raining Saturdays we've had in like 30 years. Everybody and their mama was out. April and I just wanted to take a quick trip to Ross and Marshall's. What a mistake. Folk were crazy. They were driving everywhere. They were spending money like crazy. And the kids were in there screaming at the top of their lungs because mama wasn't going to buy them candy. 
to the point that this one little girl, she looked to be four or five years old. She was throwing herself on the ground. She was kicking and screaming. And mom and daddy were kicking and screaming back. What was going on there? Manipulation. And they manipulated them right out of that store. Our country's leadership will fight and manipulate their way to power like we have never, ever seen. There is no end to their lies. There's no end to their distortion. There's no end to their thievery or deception to get power in our country like never before. And I'm not talking about any one particular party, so don't mistake me there. It's all of them. With manipulation... Watch this. In the church, if some don't like what I'm saying today, then they'll withhold their tithe and stop serving or stop attending. That's the spirit of Jezebel. I'm laying the groundwork here. With manipulation comes lust. We have never fought such a war against lust in all recorded humanity. Technology is flooded with all sorts of images like we've never seen. Verse 20, teaching and seducing my servants, talking about the church, to practice sexual immorality. King James Version says to cause them to commit fornication. That word fornication comes from the Greek word uh, perneo, which means porn. So they're causing them to practice porn. What Jesus is telling the church of Thyatira is you have allowed porn into your lives like never before. You say, well, I don't believe that. Listen, over 50% of every male under the sound of my voice has viewed porn at some point in your life. All of us. Why? Because we're saturated with images. You go to sell a nice truck, what are they going to do? They're going to put a woman out there. She's going to put on... Dukes with her boots and she's going to get out there and she's going to set her leg up on, the, up on that new running board and say, you need this truck. Y'all act like y'all don't look at those things. You know you do. Y'all trying to act all spiritual on me now. So the spirit of the end time age is going to be in, that's going to infiltrate the church is Pornography. Sexual immorality. It's the spirit of Jezebel. Listen, every single movie that comes out now, even some of the lower ratings, have some kind of sexual perversion in them. And here's what's crazy. These producers don't even know they're doing it. They don't even know that they're influenced and taken by the spirit. Every single show has it in it nearly. The second thing, again, as I said, was fear. Have we ever seen so much fear before in our lives? The coronavirus caused the stock market to drop over 10%. Why? Fear. I watched CNN the other day, and one girl, one report, within 22 seconds said fear four times. The fears of the investors. The fear that this, the fear, four times in 22 seconds. And I remember, I forgot who it was, I said, see right there, look, 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 four times fear over a virus that comparatively has done nothing to what's happening before. H1N1, 
or N1H1, wherever that. A half million people died of that virus. And we're freaking out over the 3,000 that have died. Oh, the sky is falling! Why? Fear. Jezebel brings with her fear. Watch this, Elijah. Uh, watch Elijah in 1 Kings 19.1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. And he rose and ran for his life. The Bible, the King James, the original writing says this, that when he he feared so much that he envisioned what she was going to do. That's fear. So he fears and he runs for his life. But I'm here to tell you, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Come on, church. We're not to be afraid. By the end times in and out of our world We don't have a spirit of fear But of love and of a sound mind The third thing And fourth thing Is discouragement And depression When Elijah saw what she was going to do He says that he ran so far and so hard That when he stopped The spirit of discouragement and depression Fell on him and he even asked God, he said, I want to die. That's depression. Do you know how many people I counsel in and out of depression? On a weekly basis? I'm talking about spirit-filled, kingdom-minded people are wrestling with depression like never before. Everybody's been diagnosed with bipolarism. You say, are you making... No, I'm not making fun of that. This is real. It's real. Why is it real? Because of the spirit of Jezebel. Fear. Anxiety. Discouragement. And depression. And it's entered into the ranks of the church like never before. I'm talking about the church that was bought by the blood of the Lamb, saved, speaking in other tongues, baptized in His name. That's the church that is depressed and discouraged. We need an outpouring. We need a refreshing of His Spirit to come in and wipe all that mess out of our lives and out of our spirit. When, when she was first diagnosed with a tumor, the very first Sunday back, I made a joke about it, and some of you like turned inside out right there in your bodies. No, he didn't. Y'all, I had like 10 people laugh at what I said, and the rest were like, ooh. Ooh. And I've had family members reach out to me, different ones, say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And they were weeping and they were crying. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what's your gig, man? It's just a tumor. But here's the problem. I started listening to that stuff. 
And next thing you know, I'm sitting in front of my board going, guys, I don't know how to feel. I got what? Fearful and discouraged. And I thought, I'm losing her. That's what I thought. No! It's never what God wanted. Listen, in the past year, four or five prominent high-profile pastors committed suicide. 75% of pastors report significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministry. 80% of pastors and 84% of their spouses have felt unqualified and discouraged about their roles as pastors. 40% re- uh, report serious conflict with a parishioner at least once in their last year. God, don't do that. 80% of pastors expect conflict within their church. 35% of pastors battle depression or fear of inadequacy. Over 50% of pastors state that the biggest challenge is to recruit volunteers and to encourage their members to actually follow the word of God. 70 of, 70% of pastors do not have someone they consider to have a, as a close friend. And the, Now, this, this one blew my mind. The first... Or, or the profession of pastor is near the bottom of a survey of the most respected professions just above a car salesman. I don't like car salesmen. And if you is one, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I like you, but I don't like car salesmen. I'm not sharing this to get your sympathy. But what I'm saying is that the spirit of Jezebel hates the man and woman of God and will stop at nothing until they are dead or their ministries are dead. I've had people sit in my office and debate the word of God with me and I show them the word of God and look right at me and say, well, that's just your private interpretation. And yours is anointed. Yours is the one sent from heaven. Mine's not. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? We need pastors in our lives. Thank you, Rodney. I know you believe it. We need pastors in our lives that are not afraid to preach the word of God and to say, tell me like it is, show me where I'm going wrong so I get right because there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Come on, somebody. We need pastors in our lives that will stand up and show us right from wrong and help us connect with Jesus. The spirit of Jezebel wants to shut up the prophetic. It wants to shut up the ministry of God. Watch this. Here's proof. Mark 6. John the Baptist is called. He calls out King Herod for marrying his brother's wife. Now, I don't quite understand all the circumstances there, but for whatever reason, this King Herod ended up with his brother's wife. A little weird, but he ended up with her. And her name was Herodias. Now, it says that When John the Baptist called out King Herod and said, what you've done is wrong and not of God. It said that Herodias, this queen now, wants to kill John, but for whatever reason she couldn't. 
So get this. Now watch this. Here's the spirit of Jezebel. She sends in her daughter to do a provocative dance in front of King Herod. Her own daughter. Now watch this. I don't know what kind of dance she did. But let's just keep it clean. It moved King Herod. A lot. Let me tell you how much it moved him. He saw her doing that stuff. And he said, baby, whatever you want, up to half of my kingdom is yours. That was some kind of dance. She didn't ask for a beamer. She didn't ask for the palace. No, no, no. She runs back to mama. Mom, he's given me half, up to half the kingdom. What do we get? Watch this. Herodias said, you go back to old King Herod and you tell him that you want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She could have had everything she ever dreamed of and the only thing she asked for was the head of the man of God on a platter. I'm telling you folks, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well today in this age and she is after pastors and teachers and ministers like never before because she hates the prophetic. She hates the prophetic. Back in Jezebel's day, and I want you to understand something, that lady in Revelation, she wasn't, her name wasn't Jezebel. But that's the spirit she'd identified with. Jezebel back in Kings, that was her name. And the Bible says that she went after every single prophet that she could find and she had every one of them killed that she could get her hands on because she hated the prophetic. Let's talk about what's been happening around here over the last couple years since we got into this building. Every one of you know the Burdett family, or you should. If you're brand new around here, you don't know the Burdett family, you will. They are our evangelism pastors. You haven't heard from them much lately because there has been an illness that has plagued them for a number of years now to the point that Elisha has suffered tremendously. We've actually lost her twice, and they brought her back. She's had surgery after surgery with her heart. She's had catheters that put into her heart. She's had all of these different things going on, and... Right now, even right now, this, this past, the, the week before last, she had 30 pounds of fluid pumped off of her in dialysis. Then just this week, she had another 28 pounds from Wednesday to Friday pumped off of her. And today they're not here because we got a text because she is so full with fluid right now she can hardly breathe. So guess what's going to happen? They're going to end up going to the hospital and getting another 20 or 30 pounds of fluid pumped off of her. That's the Burdettes. And then last year, I believe it was last early last year, Pastor Tony Wilkerson all of a sudden just out of nowhere started having heart problems. Rhythm going in and out, not, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. I mean, the guy's two days older than dirt, but don't look like it. But the older I get, I'm starting to think dirt looks real good. I mean, Mr. Miyagi... He's young. At least he looks like it. 
And so when he started having heart problems, I'm like, that guy, he ain't a day over 55. Not true, but heart problems just out of nowhere. I mean, he even drinks the pink drink and he's got heart problems. Good stuff for you from what I understand. And he's got heart problems. Doesn't make sense. Lives right, eats right. Doesn't make sense. And then tell you, look at you. All the problems you've had over the last several years that have just begun to just almost metastasize, if you will, just increase more and more every single month. Pain and different things that are going on with the nerves and all that stuff is going on with you. Just, just seems like it's just intensified these last couple of years. And then the baker said, Tammy, I think it was last year or last year, you were in the hospital and, and with just this out of nowhere stomach problem that just, just surfaced and came just, just for no reason, just showed up. And then Jake, you and Kristen, business is clicking along good and all of a sudden it hits a brick wall. What's going on? And then near God, my house, Everything's great. He's wonderful. And her face starts drawing up. I'm like, what's, 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 what's that all about? At one point I thought she was just, get, you know, just doing that to me. And I'm like, demon be loose. Y'all better get used to it. I'm going to joke about it all the way. Then, and then November 4th, we find out she's got a tumor. What in the world is going on? Why is the ministry in our church being assaulted? Jack, Susan, you too have had some assaults. Ryan, Megan, holy cow. <laughs> we know what happened to you lately. Don't ever make me go back to that place again. That goes for everybody here. What's going on? Where's this attack coming from? Why is the ministry of our church taking such a hit physically, mentally, spiritually, financially? What is going on? It's the spirit of Jezebel. Let me share something with you. Preston Reese, everybody knows Preston around here. Is he teaching today? Where's he at? Back there. Good. Right after the initial diagnosis of April, and when we had to shut down our outpouring series, he sends this text. And he has no idea how prophetic his text was. And, what, and actually, it was, it was warning us of what was to come, but we didn't know it. Because this was right after, right after the first diagnosis. He said this, I, I, I had been praying for April and I saw her in a home, possibly at work or selling a home maybe. And what I saw was there was a snake wrapped around her neck. Not squeezing at the moment, but I was given the feeling that it would squeeze whenever it felt like it. Almost in a sarcastic and mocking way. Now, what's significant about this is that this tumor has caused the ventricles in her brain to tighten at any given point and stop the flow of, of uh, spinal fluid 
up and down her back and into her back for you. You probably didn't know that, how that happens, but it is constantly flowing. And what it was doing is it was restricting the flow through the normal passageways and was causing the ventricles to swell and to create pressure and pain. And he said what he saw was a snake wrapped around her neck, squeezing whenever it wanted to. He says, I came home the next night and my closet light was on, so I turned it off. And after laying down for about 30 minutes, I was praying in preparation for Sunday morning and I was reminded to give my tithe. So I did. And shortly after, uh, my closet light turned back on out of nowhere and I recognized the spirit of fear that was trying to be placed on me by the enemy. I got up and I cut the light off again and shut the closet door. I then heard a knock that sounded like it came from the closet. So I rebuked it as I always would. And this is what I believe God has showed me. The snake around Hapel's neck and the light turning on after I gave my tithe back to God were connected. The enemy, he says, is trying to silence the heads of our church during the teaching of the Holy Spirit and outpouring. God is about to explode Revivify Church uh, if we aren't fearful and we stay determined and allow God to fight the things in the Spirit for us. If we operate in the Holy Spirit like we've been being taught during this series, then the enemy will no longer be around the head but beneath our feet. Wow! The enemy is trying everything he can do to stop the teaching and to distract us from it. And I am here today to tell you there's a new day coming. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send the Elijah, Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now watch this. Luke 1, 17 says that John the Baptist would come and lead the way in the power and spirit of Elijah. Why is that significant? Now watch this. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Watch this. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Verse 15. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now watch this. Revelation. At the end of the seven letters to the seven churches... Every time he ended, he would always say, He who has an ear, let him hear. The spirit of Elijah, who dealt Jezebel and wiped out all the prophets of Baal, and she scared him to death, ran him off. There was a big spiritual battle happening there. God said, here's the problem. Elijah didn't do it the first time, but he will the second. Watch this. Do you realize that Elijah never did another miracle after running from Jezebel? He himself never performed another miracle after he ran from Jezebel. Not another one, himself. So God tells him, Elijah, go and anoint Elisha 
and Elisha go and anoint Jehu. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30. And when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. And Jehu entered the gate and said, and she said, Is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? King James says, Who is on the Lord's side? Two or three units looked out at him. (laughs) Two or three units looked out at him. Now watch this. Notice with me. When Jehu rode up to the palace that day on his stallion, I could see him just prancing up, so ready to do the bidding of God. He pulls up to the gate of the palace. He looks up and he sees Jezebel. She heard he was coming. And so what does she do? She puts on her finest clothes from Victoria's Secret and she began to paint her face. Because she was going to do what she's always done to every man. And she was going to seduce even him to do her bidding. Y'all don't like this, do you? It's a little too tough. She dressed in her finest. And then she got cocky. She said, hey. You murderer of your... Of your king, what are you doing here? He didn't respond to her. He ignored her. (laughs) And he said, who is on my side or who is on the Lord's side? And the Bible said that she was surrounded with two eunuchs. Do you understand what eunuchs were? Eunuchs were men who were castrated. They were on each side of her because she always had them with her. And she's the one who caused this to happen. In the Bible, (laughs) listen, she's standing there looking over the wall. The eunuchs are there. Who's on the Lord's side? I want you to understand something. The closer you get to Jezebel, the more she'll produce in your life a non-producing spirit. Some of you missed that one right over your head. She castrated them, which means they could not produce offspring. So the closer you get to Jezebel, the more she produces in your life a non-producing spirit in your life. The closer we allow, the more we allow Jezebel into our church, the more we allow that spirit to roam the halls of our worship centers. The less and less we produce for the kingdom of God. There are some of you right now, your businesses have been just tightened down and you're not really been able to move because you know why? The spirit of Jezebel has gotten close to you and he's, she's cut off your ability to produce. Some of you have been trying your best to find your way into a new life and a new movement of spirit with God. You're trying to get to a higher level and you're not able to because you're allowing people who have a spirit of Jezebel to speak into your life and they are cutting off the produce of that prayer and that moment and that fasting with God. Hmm. 
Oh, Lord. I want, I want you to stand today. So the more we tolerate her, the less productive we become. There is so much good that has happened around this church. So much good. But yet, it's just like we're stuck in place. How many love our church? If you didn't raise your hand, I have a conference room with you, meeting with you in just, just a minute. We can talk. We can talk. So much good has happened. But we're stuck in place. We're just barely paying the bills, if you will. I'm going to be transparent with you. Man, daycare center started off with a bang. Exploded. We filled this thing up. We had 67 families on a waiting list. All of a sudden now, I can't fill it. It's tight. There's no margin. And all the families went away. Why? Because you're doing something wrong? No. Because the spirit of Jezebel has moved in. And she's stopping the produce. She's stopping production. Some of you, are, I, I can hear it right now in your mind. You're saying, man, I, don't, man, I can't believe he's talking about this. This is, no. Go ahead. Go get you some. It's real. It's real. For every business owner in this church, I'm praying against the spirit of Jezebel on your behalf. And I'm calling her out today because I'm sick of dealing with it. I'm sick of dealing with the fear. I'm sick of dealing with the manipulation. I'm sick of dealing with the discouragement and the depression. And you say, well, what do you mean? I've had it too. I've dealt with it too. With all the goodness that's happening, it's like, you know, just when we think we're there, it all blows up again. We're like, God, we got to start over. What is going on? The Spirit of Jezebel's moved in. And the very first time she ever came to our church, not a particular person, so get that off your mind. Okay? But the very first time I ever, I ever realized it was the Spirit of Jezebel, it wasn't like this time. It was hidden, it was secret, it was quiet, it was private. And then it erupted. But this time, she's large and in charge and bold and in our face. That stuff, she has got to go. Because the more we tolerate her, the less productive we are. Because Jezebel... She represents an anti-revival spirit. She represents an anti-production spirit. She she represents an anti-blessing spirit, an anti-loving spirit. And we need an outpouring because we need His anointing. And we need an outpouring because the spirit of Jezebel cannot live in an outpouring atmosphere. Elijah ran from Jezebel. He didn't get it done the first time. Elisha shows up and he anoints Elisha. And his name means God is here. 
So God was, watch this, with Elisha, God was telling Jezebel and Ahab, I'm here. I'm here. I'm giving you time to repent. I'm here. And they didn't listen. She didn't repent. Now watch this. Elisha then anoints Jehu and a couple of other fellows. But Jehu's name literally means Yahweh is he. Meaning God is he. He went from I'm here to now you're fixing to see me here. So what I'm trying to tell you today is we need an outpouring because we need God here. I don't, and I, I just don't want to see God here. I want to experience, I want to encounter God here. I want to see him in his fullness. I want to see him in his completeness. I want to see him in his most powerful way because you know what? Just toying and stepping in the end of the pool of, of religion is not enough for me anymore. I want to see an outpouring to where every one of us are filled with His Spirit and the power of the Shekinah glory of God begins to pour out on us. Come on. And what I'm trying to tell you is I'm tired of Alicia being sick. God, heal her or take her to her final reward. But God, do something. God, Heal her. God, heal her. God, heal him. Bless him. Trey, bless business in the name of Jesus. How many needs a blessing? How many needs an outpouring of God in your life and in your spirit? Now here's what's amazing. Verse 33 says this. Who's on the Lord's side? <laughs> she... And they were, these two units looked at her, looked at him, looked at her and said, we are. And that spirit of Jehu got on those non-producing boys and they grabbed that broad and they chunked her over the edge. This is not in the notes, but the Lord spoke to me and said, some of them in here think you're preaching too hard and, and you don't need to be preaching about this. Let me tell you how you deal with Jezebel's spirit. You're not kind to her. You're not nice to her. You kick her tail out of the house. You get her out of your palace. And they threw her down. And it said, and some of the blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. Now watch this. And they trampled on her. What did, what, did, what did Preston say? And if we operate in the Holy Spirit like we've been being taught and during the series, then the enemy will no longer be around the head, but beneath our feet. Beneath our feet. All right, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. Watch this. How many of you right now feel like you just haven't been able to produce the results in your life that you want? Let me feel that right now. If that's you, I want you up here right now. Come on. Let me say this. Don't for a minute think that I've said any one of you have, there are the, the spirit problem, the spirit of Jezebel. Because number one, you as a person cannot be the spirit of But here's the problem. You can't allow her in your home. You can't allow her in your heart. You can't allow her influence to be on you. And you got to kick her out. 
you got to get rid of her. And you need to put her where she belongs. You're under my feet. You're under my feet. And some of us got to quit buying into the spirit of the age, the spirit of the day, and fear, and that manipulation, and that depression. Despondency. You got you to quit that. You, you got to get rid of that and say, nah, I'm no longer buying into that stuff. Jezebel, you got to go. You're under my feet. I have power for you. Come on. The Bible says that there's life and death and the power of the tongue. Choose life. Choose it. Choose it. Get rid of the spirit of Jezebel put her under your feet call it what it is and know that you've been anointed to take authority and when you do you will have the keys to the nation we hope you enjoyed this week's message if you have any questions or would like to know more please visit www.revivify.church